keeping you connected. Hello, hello, and welcome to the local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host for this Friday evening, Patricio Robayo. It's Friday, we made it. Thank you for spending your Friday evening with me. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Let's take a breather before the show starts. In the second half of the show, we'll receive an update from Wayne Memorial Hospital regarding the current status of COVID. As it's the season for heightened cases, we'll be exploring the latest developments and learning how we can stay safe. But before we delve into that, since it's Friday, we have our regular check-in with the one and only Chris Rowley from the Schwankunk Journal. Chris, welcome to the program the first story you'll be sharing with us revolves around the issue of short-term rentals, which is a concern also here in Sullivan County. Uh, what can you tell us about what's happening in your neck of the woods? We've watched and reported on uh, short-term rentals laws being uh, discussed and brought up and put in place in the town of Rochester, in town of Crawford, you know, I think in town of Mamakati even, uh, and also in Marbletown. Well, Warsing has been a bit of a laggard here, but they've been watching it and looking at it, and now they are discussing it, and they're moving to put in place a local law in Warsing to control and regulate uh, the short-term rental properties. Uh, it's the same thing, as you said, we have a housing shortage, but the people who have properties would like to make a little extra money if they can. Uh, by renting them out as Airbnbs. But, of course, that leads to investors with an eye coming in and buying properties, and then they just become Airbnbs and disappear from the rental market, which is a kind of a problem. Yes, we want visitors, and we don't have a steady enough stream of visitors to keep hotels in business, so the Airbnb VRBO, uh, which is the other service, it's, a, it's perfect territory for them. But in a terms of a housing shortage, uh, it's a bit of a disaster for people who are seeking to move or need a new apartment or anything like that, or a house. So, so anyway, um, the town board discussed this, and then they will have a public hearing on this law, and that will be passed to the Warsing Planning Board and also to the Ulster County Planning Board for their review. This process will begin at the next town board meeting on December 21st, and then we'll go on to the January 4th meeting, which is also, I believe, the reorganization meeting. Yeah, and it's, it's not boring unless you're in that thing and you, or you want to rent your property out as an Airbnb or uh, you're upset because of the six homes on your little rural street, three of them are now Airbnbs. And at any weekend, there can be all kinds of people that you've never met, no idea who they are, um, pulling in. And they can be perfectly quiet and peaceful people, no problem. Or they can be young and fond of heavy metal music or something, which you know, can be good, but it can have its downside. There are those issues as well. Um, one of the things that we – one myth I think we should try to puncture right now, though, is – Airbnb and VRBO are both very conscious of their reputations and all that kind of thing, and they don't allow party housing. 
They don't allow kids to rent, and they have huge parties in the in the on the property. If anybody does that, those the names that they did it under go under a certain register and are never allowed to use the service again. Oh, is it perfect? No. But just that we should know that they are aware of the problem there and do their utmost to try to stop it. Okay, so there's that. And um, basically, Supervisor Alk at the uh, Turnbull Warsing posed the question. He said, why are we doing this? And he answered it because we don't have a law covering this. And Warsing doesn't have anything. So right now, that law is being put together by Mary Lou Christiana, who's the attorney for the planning board, knows the ins and outs of these things, because she's an attorney for lots of places like Rochester and so on, and has been through this rodeo before. Um, and, and this is another interesting aspect of it, is that you have to limit the number of Airbnbs or short-term rentals. So only a certain number can be allowed in a certain municipality. So that leads to another set of issues, a register of the places that are allowed and have a permit for this. And then the other side of that is the fee that the municipality will charge for allowing it. So it, it can make some money for the town, but at the same time, people have to to get that permit, and those permits can be valuable. And whenever there's a restricted market in permits, think about the medallions on yellow cabs maybe 20 years ago in New York City. You get very strange kinds of uh, market contortions. But there you go. That's another story. Uh, right now, we're watching is moving forward into the 21st century on this, and we'll be discussing and putting in place a local law. So that was interesting. I know it's a little eye-glazing, but it's important. Uh, this could happen on your street, on your road, at any time. Oh, absolutely. And, and I see the industry growing, growing, even growing more, because as the Catskills gets more busy, now our areas like you are in Ellenville, it gets more busy, more folks are coming in. We don't have a plethora of hotels here anymore, and the new business is these Airbnbs. And not only that, it, there's, I know a few folks who make this their living that they're renting homes out for Airbnbs, buying second homes to rent them out. And this is a viable business for them. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And the point that you made about the hotels is, there's a, and this is always the case in capitalist economies, there's a lag. Demand is there, but the supply of lodging requires capital accumulation, finding property, building something. I have to get all the permits. <laughs> And it's not instantaneous. And if we have this demand and it keeps up for a while, um, then you have to think that somebody will start building a couple of hotels in either Sullivan County or up here in Ulster County to handle it. But then again, you've got to have enough demand that the hotel isn't empty eight months of the year. There's a lot of issues that have to be worked out. And that point you made about the hotels is another interesting thing is that once upon a time, why would anybody have this conversation? Because there were like, what are you, 50 huge hotels within almost spitting distance of where I'm sitting. It's just the vagaries of the way things move and twitch and twist. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the other thing that I'd like to get into quickly here is warming centers. That's one side. Put that on one side of the page. On the other side, emergency shelters or emergency disaster shelters. Ellenville has now been equipped at the cost of $1.2 million with an emergency disaster shelter, uh, 16 beds, and more room beyond that. But that's for disasters. That's when we have so much rain, hurricane, or some kind of thing, and people in Wawasing and Rochester, whoever, in the whole area, are in desperate need 
of being somewhere that's not flooded. That's the most likely disaster. Okay, so that's that. But that can't be used as a warming center. And we're now going into that season of the year when some people will be in a dire situation and they'll need to be able to go somewhere where they can warm up. And then we get into the real complexities. And I'm not sure I've got all this right, but it's just I can run through what I picked up from the discussion at the uh, Ellenville Village Board of Trustees on Monday, which is it's complicated. Got two things to think about. One, you've got homeless people who may need to be in a warming shelter, uh, a warming center. Um, and then you can have people who are temporarily out on the street for some reason. So you could possibly have this situation. You have a mother with a couple of kids and she can't go home for one reason or another and she's got to go somewhere and be warm. Now, they can sit in the stewards for a while. They could sit in, they can't go in a bar, but they could sit in another coffee shop as long as it's open. Or the municipality might have a warming center. It could be in a church. It could be uh, in Ellenville. The designated one is the courtroom at Elton Court. Um, anyway. So that could be there. If if the temperature drops below the freezing mark, then we move into what's called cold blue. That means if you have a warming center, it's supposed to be open. The other side of this issue with warming centers is to run them continuously and have it always open. So that means it has to be staffed all the time. And warming centers that, that aren't like that usually shut down at midnight. The one in Ellenville closes then. And if they've got people there that need further warming, need to be in somewhere, um, it's down to the police at this point to take them somewhere. And that can mean Kingston. So that really gives the police a problem because you've got two cops on duty uh, and one of them and a car goes to Kingston with, say, the mother and then the two kids and is away for basically almost two hours. Let's hope nothing really serious happens in those two hours because now you've just got one person on duty and a dispatcher. Okay, you can call, you can have an emergency call, you can call in state police and the rest of it, but it shows how slender our resources are in this sort of area and how difficult this sort of thing can get. Anyway, so there was a lot of discussion. The trustees went back and forth, and I think... But it's complicated enough, really confident coming away that you've really got it all down. But um, what Police Chief Matrician says in Allenville is it's time that Ulster County came into Allenville and provided the same level of social services there. And they have a building, the Trudy Farber building there on Center Street, uh, have that open and be available for sheltering and for warming through these really, through the really cold period of the year. And you know, the fact that is available in Kingston, okay, but one available down here. We're 25, 20, 25 miles away from Kingston, and this provides us with a kind of a problem. And it's the same old, honestly, it just is that the southwest corner of Ulster County is, is almost terra incognita and... Um, uh, that part of the map has got the dragons and the, the big things blowing clouds around on when it's drawn in. It's just nutty. So we need some services down here. We know that is trying to get this, is pushing it, but cold season's now beginning. Come on, let's let's have something. And then we'll see what happens with uh, what they could do that with the Truly Five building in that context. That's what the police chief thinks should be done. 
Absolutely. Chris, as always, thank you for joining us here on the local edition. We'll talk to Chris again next week, Friday. We'll be right back as we talk. And next, we'll be talking to Wayne Memorial. I don't know where to Stay tuned. Start. Hi there, I'm Jason Tudor, host of The Mixtape on WJFF. The holidays are upon us, and a new year is on the way. From all of us here at WJFF, thank you for listening. Have a safe and festive holiday season, and a happy new year. CDC recommends everyone six months and older get an updated COVID-19 vaccine to protect against the potentially serious outcomes of COVID-19 illness this fall and winter. To find COVID-19 vaccine locations near you, text your zip code to 438-829, call 1-800-232-0233, or go to wjffradio.org, where you'll find a vaccine locator and COVID tracker. Radio Catskill, keeping you connected. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. With Barbenheimer and both Taylor Swift and Beyonce on tour, there was a lot of cultural news to keep up on this year. Hollywood actors have gone on strike. The Prince's memoir, Spare, is out. Torrential rains put a serious stamper on the Burning Man Festival this year. I'm Andrew Limbong, an arts and culture reporter for NPR. You support coverage that keeps you in the know when you make a donation to this station today. Thanks. Make your year-end donation at WJFFRadio.org. I'm Stephen Dubner on the next Freakonomics Radio. Do American police have a management problem? You know, spending time looking at policing and realizing these aren't high-performing organizations of the sort that you would expect. And can a new project at the University of Chicago help? Within the first two days, I was in awe. That's next time on Freakonomics Radio. Tuesday at 1 p.m. on Radio Cats. Welcome back to the local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. Respiratory illnesses are increasing across most areas of the United States. According to the data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 15 states plus New York City are experiencing high or very high levels of respiratory illness activity. Defined as people going to the doctor with symptoms from respiratory diseases including flu, COVID, RSV, and the common cold. Tim Bruno from Radio Chatskill spoke to Dr. James Cruz, the Chief Medical Officer at Wayne Memorial Community Health Centers, about this seasonal surge in respiratory illnesses. 
really seeing a, a rebound in all respiratory viruses. Um, we shouldn't see a lot of COVID cases right now, but we are seeing cases of RSV and cases of flu, but it doesn't seem to be as much influenza out there right now. Nationally, it looks like COVID is the biggest driver of hospitalizations and ER visits. Uh, some hospitals nationally reporting more than 22,000 new COVID admissions the week ending December 2nd, which was a highest peak since the summer wave. Do you kind of expect this wave to happen at this time? And, and how does it compare to previous times? Well, we really did expect this wave to happen now. We've traditionally seen that kind of the November, December, uh, really, we've Every year we've had a wave pick up, and really it seems like January has been using our worst month. So if it follows the previous year's trend, then we expect it to get worse from here. Uh, it looks like nationally the respiratory virus season, as they call it, is a little uneven. Uh, some states are higher than others. It looks like New Jersey has a high rate of infections, largely driven by flu and their RSV. Pennsylvania looks as if it's low to moderate, as well as New York. Is there any prediction as to why this is sort of uneven in that way? I'm not really sure. I, I, I will say I haven't seen that data. I think some of it may be reporting differences between states, especially when you talk about states that are so close together and people move back and forth between. I wonder if it's more of a difference in reporting than actual difference in levels. Mm -hmm. And RSV can be dangerous for small children, especially infants. What do people need to know about RSV as we go into this holiday season? Well, RSV is particularly dangerous uh, for small, uh, you know, for young infants. Um, you know, probably one of the, the number one cause of hospitalizations in infants. But it also can affect older adults. It can really inf infect people of all ages, but we really see the most clinical effect uh, in infants. But we are seeing more of a clinical effect in older patients, patients with respiratory illnesses. And a lot of that is actually driven with by improved testing. Uh, before COVID, uh, we didn't do a lot of testing for other respiratory viruses. We did do testing in RSV in infants, and it was kind of a just kind of a classic presentation for them. So we did have data about RSV outbreaks in infants, but we didn't know that RSV was causing so many infections in older adults until we were actually doing all this viral testing that came out of the COVID pandemic. Now we know that a lot of the times when folks have flu-like illness that's not influenza or their influenza test is negative and their COVID test is negative, it's likely to be our, our it's often RSV. This is the first respiratory virus season in which uh, some folks can get immunized against all three of these major pathogens. I think this is the first time all newborns and adults older than 60 can get the RSV shots. For older Americans and RSV, where, where does that sort of fall into these line of respiratory viruses for them? Well, we do have the new RSV vaccines out, and I've been getting a lot of questions for patients about, well, should I also get the RSV shot? Um I'm not as convinced on the data of the RSV vaccine so far. I mean, it do, it is beneficial. Don't you know, definitely is beneficial. RSV does cause illness in older Americans, particularly with underlying respiratory illnesses. But I haven't seen the amount, certainly not the amount of deaths that I've seen from COVID. And we've seen years of 
you know, during the influenza outbreaks, um, a lot of older Americans would die. A lot of them would have underlying health conditions or they would be diagnosed with pneumonia, but it, it tracks really well with when the flu outbreaks are. There are some some evidence that also when RSV outbreaks are that you see more deaths in, in older adults. But I don't think it is as important as the level of, of, of flu and COVID are. I think it is really important to you if, if to get if you have any underlying health conditions, if you have respiratory problems, but I do think it's generally your third vaccine to get after you've had your COVID vaccine, after you've had your flu vaccine, then really think about getting your RSC vaccine. Well, and CDC data shows that Americans age 65 and older have the highest rate of weekly hospitalizations of any age group in the U.S. as they have throughout the pandemic. And as you said, there are some underlying medical conditions that could raise the risk of severe disease. So it's even more important for them to get that COVID shot. Yes, I think that's the most important point. Uh, we are seeing significant amount of COVID and COVID deaths, and, and that is the most important one to get. Stakes are kind of high for older adults, right? That's the age group that's most susceptible to hospitalization and death from respiratory illness. Yes. And I I will say, uh, well, I, I probably would have said last week that, well, the COVID outbreak right now, yeah, people are getting sick, but most people aren't very sick, particularly if they've already been vaccinated with previous strains. But I've seen a few more sick patients with COVID in the past week or two. Um, I think, you know, we've seen some maybe COVID-related deaths. Uh, it is more the people with underlying health conditions, respiratory conditions, uh, you know, but I'm the, I'm the hospice director also at Wayne Memorial and certainly have seen a few of our hospice patients that get COVID and then wind up dying. Um, they usually have a other other underlying significant health conditions, but I don't think that this is quite at the point of, oh, it's just like the common cold. I think it is still a serious respiratory illness that's going around. There's the updated coronavirus vaccine, but uptake remains low, according to the CDC, as low as 8% of children and 17% of all adults receiving the new coronavirus shot. Why do you think that might be? I think folks are, you know, we, we there, there were, oh, we, you know, they came out initially with the, the two vaccine series, oh, this provides good coverage. But like all coronaviruses, which are, you know, some of the common cold viruses or coronaviruses, we see that you lose immunity over time. And the next year you get it, get an, it again. You know, it's a little different strain, but you get it again next year. And you get a cold again next year. And we wondered if that was ha- would, would happen with COVID. Um, there was some hope because of the mRNA technology that maybe it be, would be a longer lasting vaccine. But we are really finding that the vaccine is wearing out. I think people are skeptical at this point, and you know they they were they were told that it would be two shots initially, and then they were told they need a booster, and then they're told that they may need another booster, and then now we've got a new vaccine out this year. I think healthcare uh, or especially infectious disease experts was in, were anticipating we would be looking at a yearly COVID booster, but I don't know if the population, you know, in general, really understood that. I think they're a little frustrated with the the repeat vaccinations. And vaccination remains the, the best way to protect yourself, right? I mean, uh, yes. and I think we should also probably remind folks that the virus has changed and it continues to change. And you want to get that updated vaccine to match what the changes in the virus are. Right. And I think uh, I'm hearing people say, oh, well, I've already got the other boosters. I don't need this one. 
This is a completely different, um, you know, strain. There's been some changes to it. The this year's COVID vaccine is geared more to what's what's going on right now, what's going around right now. So I think it is important to update that. And also incorporate that into your your regular flu shot. It seems as if people are just conditioned to get the flu shot and it's been normalized. Yes. And I'm particularly recommending that my patients, uh, when they get their flu shot, go ahead and get their COVID vaccine. There's no reason you can't do both together. Um, you know, some people say, oh, I'm going to feel bad if I get two vaccines. I don't, I don't know if that's really that you're going to feel any worse. You know, sometimes people feel bad from the flu shot, but I do feel like you might as well get both of them done at the same time, particularly since we're seeing increasing rates of COVID infection right now. And I guess, you know, the, the takeaway, the main lesson for folks to remember is don't take it for granted. Don't think that you're going to be necessarily safe during this time when it is that time of year, normally, when these things are on the rise. Yes. I think that, um, you know, this is particularly the time of year that you that, that you need to get it done. And what I always kind of point out to patients, we do find that these vaccines wear down over time. I think even the flu shot, you know, your immunity is best the first you know, three months and then it starts to wear off. So certainly before holiday gatherings or if you have a trip or travel planned, this is really the time to get your flu and COVID vaccine. So you kind of have maximum protection for that time period. You're going to be traveling or going to be getting together with family members, seeing grandma, all that sort of stuff. We've been talking to Dr. James Cruz, Chief Medical Officer of Wayne Memorial Community Health Centers. Dr. Cruz, thank you so much and happy holidays. Thank you, Tim. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for that, Tim Bruno. Tim Bruno, you can hear Tim Bruno Monday through Fridays on Radio Chat Skill starting at 10 a.m. That does it for the local edition. If you like that conversation you just heard from Radio Chat Skill, like I said, Monday through Friday, Radio Chat Skill airs at 10 a.m. Radio Chat Skill is also a podcast. You can check out their podcast at WJFF Radio Chat Skill. Let's take a look at what uh, some of the guests this past week that were on Radio Chatsco and the local edition. On Monday, we had Workshift Live. Also, uh, Monday night on the local edition, we had the Government Center talk about youth services. We also had an article about from New York Focus about the changes in the appeals court. On Tuesday, we spoke to Spotlight PA about the budget impasse. And we had a conversation about the cannabis, cannabis market that was closed down. Some information on that and then we actually had a follow-up on friday if you listening to um uh earlier to chris uh and on, on the podcast you could be able to hear some updates on the cannabis cannabis market on wednesday we checked in with the river reporter find out what's happening in the latest edition of the river reporter and then we checked in with marty clavito for the community cupboard He's out there on most days delivering food for those in need. And we found out on Wednesday that the need has grown since the pandemic. On Thursday, we spoke to Philip Pontuso from the Times Union, letting us know what's happening in the area in Hudson Valley. I had a chance to speak to the Federation for the Homeless, find out what their needs are for the end of the year, what happened this past year, and what they're looking forward to in the future. Earlier today, we had Dan Hoos from the Sullivan County Government. He is the Communications Director. He had a chance to speak to Tim Bruner earlier about the adopted 2024 budget. 
there will be an increase in taxes because due to the increase of health care. There was a $2 million shortfall, so that shortfall had to be met, and half of it will be met by raising taxes. So if you missed that conversation, you can actually check out our website. Check out our front page. We're posting almost every day new stories that we collect on Radio Chatsko and also on the local edition. You can find this budget story right on our front page there. You hear the whole interview, and Dan really goes into detail exactly why the budget hasn't increased and all the other good things that are happening in the budget, all the new services that are happening, especially with Move Sullivan, the bus services there. So that's all good stuff that's happening on the podcast if you can't catch it live on the local edition podcast and Radio Chat Skill. And looking next week, we are going to have John Little from Sullivan County Government giving us the Monday update. Also talking to New York Focus again about county jails. And then later in the week, we'll get the chance to speak to Aileen Gunther, the Assembly Member for the 100th District, talking about what happened this past year and look, outlook for the future. And we'll also check in with the State Senator, Peter Orbacher. And on Friday, we'll have a special Festivus edition of the local edition on Friday, talking about all things Festivus. Like I said, if you missed this show or any show, we have a podcast. Check out our podcast at WJFF Radio, the local edition. Search for WJFF, the local edition. Subscribe. Tell your friends. You can also find us on social media. We're on WJFF Radio Catskill. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Everywhere we are there. Visit our website, WJFFRadio.org. You've been listening to The Local Edition. I have been your host for this Friday evening, Patricio Robayo. Have a good night, Lucy. This is Radio Casco, the NPR station. Coming up for you, the daily and then the mixtape. Have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe. Enjoy. Enjoy.